Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as cartoonist, satirist, political junkie. (laughs) Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Fiona Kataskis. Hello. Please tell me I said your last name right. You did, actually, and that's fantastic because I think I could probably count on two hands the number of times people have pronounced it right the first time. So <laughs> that, is, that, that does warm the cockles of my heart, I've got to say. Fiona, in social settings, mm. how do you introduce yourself? What do you mean? Like, oh, hello, I'm cartoonist, comma, Fiona Kataskis, like that, or what do you mean? Or if people say, what do you do? <laughs> A bit of all of those things. Um, well, I don't tend to talk about what I do unless people ask me what I do first. But, yeah, cartoonist, and I also produce a bit of television for the ABC and, um, yeah, I guess, yeah, cartoonist. Cartoonist is, makes it easy, but I also illustrate and do other things. But cartoonist is a bit of a catch-all for the whole shebang. So for someone that in, is in quite a creative realm, what is work and what is play? Um... Well, see, it's as I described in my very brief Twitter bio, I'm a political junkie, so it's hard to, you know, politics, paying attention to politics every day, day in, day out is part of my job. Mm. But um, when I'm on holidays, I tend to do that too, even though I probably shouldn't and probably should give my brain a rest. <laughs> but, you know, you know, I always just think, and it's ridiculous. I sort of think, oh, no, if I, don't, if I don't pay attention, I'll miss out on something, whereas sort of the broad picture, I guess, politics doesn't, change that much at the moment at the but I guess the broad picture doesn't change but the individual weirdnesses totally do so how torn do you get when you're pushing hard for a deadline you're working hard you're delivering a piece and something politically explodes on the Australian landscape which it's want to do oh yeah oh no that's uh well, is it, a deadline's a deadline for my public, the places I work for, they're not flexible. So, you know, you've got to have something in. So sometimes, you know, oh, I remember I had a deadline um, during those, at, at the very end of those 17 days when it was uh, a hung parliament and Julia, it was, you didn't know if we we're going to have oh, Prime yes. Minister Tony Abbott or Prime Minister Julia Gillard. And, you know, all the spotlight was on Tony Windsor and um, Rob Oakeshott. And I had a deadline for, and I, I remember he just kept talking and talking. I was just going, oh, my God, that's 17 minutes. Like I said, I appreciate your passion, but, dude, I've got a deadline. Please get to the end just, or just, just give us a quick version and then you can go back to your explanation. So that was one of those totally – then I was having – because I didn't know which way it would go. So I'd kind of been thinking of potential cartoons for both of them and – but there was no point drawing it until I knew. So, yes, it can be. And, you know, things like if there's a leadership coup and a lot of people get caught out by that stuff if they've got a print deadline. If they're working for newspapers, if they've got a print deadline of, say, 8 o'clock and then something dramatic happens, then there's newspapers don't have the size and the flexibility and the money so much to deal with that anymore. So they can be a bit bound by that. So then you go to the default broad you know, the, the tactic with that is you do a broad cartoon that could go either way. So you're not making this because so you won't get caught out by saying one thing or another. Well, that's right. Newspapers are likely to go, you know what, what we'll do is reprint uh, pages one and three, like that whole outside wrap just to fix up based on the news of the day. But yeah, when we consider that most of the time the political cartoon is on about page 13, 15, 20, they're not going to reprint that. 
Mm, no, no. But what's interesting, I was um, they're one of the most popular uh, pieces on the Guardian last year in general with the UK as well was a first dog on the moon cartoon that you probably remember because it was just magnificent, but it was about, you know, a a fair Tony Abbott's political obituary. And it was just a, you know, celebratory, you know, I hope that the door hits you as you, and door swings back and hits you as you walk out kind of thing. And it was just reveling in Tony being gone. But looking at that now, you, you forget that this was actually done in February and he did this just before, you know, there was that, that, that spill that wasn't a spill that didn't happen. So, so many cartoonists were watching that just going and had deadlines on that day and I did the same thing. I was live cart- blogging the sort of blog cartooning the thing for The Guardian <laughs> that day. And, uh, and so anyway, first I did this magnificent thing and, you know, it says at the front to be embargoed until Tony's out on his ass kind of thing. But um, <clears throat> it, it wasn't because it was his cartoon due in and that's, you know, part of the joke. But, you know, for him, he did this cartoon celebrating Tony being gone, which makes sense now, but back then – the cartoon came out and then Tony hung on. So, you know, you're always taking that risk. But sometimes, you know, First Dogs worked because I guess even and it was hugely popular, even though it was essentially kind of wrong because it didn't happen. But, you know, it sort of captured the sentiment. Yeah, reflected the desire yeah. of the nations. <laughs> yeah, maybe people loved it even more because it was like, oh, what could have been? I don't know. Maybe it's <laughs> aspirational. How much hot water has mm. you drawing pictures got you into? None really. I mean, you know, sometimes I've never, I, I don't feel like I'm, you know, it's, to, you're not in Australia, you're pretty safe being a cartoonist. Like, it's, you know, you're not mm. going to be, um, you know, locked up and imprisoned for saying things against the government. And if you do piss people off, generally they're the people you want to piss off anyway. So the hot water element doesn't really come into what I do. And I guess because I work for um, independent publications as well, like because I work for New Matilda and there's not the same editorial, you know, stricture that there would be for a bigger publication. So I can sort of, you know, push it a bit and be a bit, you know, do things that – and I also do cartoons for Eureka Street, which is – I'm not a Catholic, but I love the whole Catholic social justice thing and it's a really great – social justice news sort of website but for that I won't do sort of rude things or mm. you know and so it's a matter of of working to your audience I guess I don't know if I just answered that question or if I just sort of invented another question halfway and started answering that that's all right you got through it enough <laughs> in uh, in in the grand scheme being a political junkie though yeah. there is the potential particularly with social media now for anybody to say something that someone else is going to take great offence to, even if it was not offensive? Um, oh, yeah, I cop a bit of abuse and uh, not much though. I've got to say I've cop very, very, very little abuse. So I'm quite – and I've never had sort of um, particularly nasty stuff. But I think I'm a bit older and, you know, I'm not in the – not going to be, you know, um, attacked by younger guys so much. But, um, no, I do have people who disagree with my views and try and start lecturing me. And generally they're pretty – Oh, they're obnoxious, but they don't say anything sort of super nasty. So I just, you know, block mm. them. I just think, I don't have time. I'm not going to change your mind. You're not going to change mine. You're just going to get aggressive. This is a total waste of my time and I have absolutely no interest in it. So that's more. But I always try and be polite because I think, I don't know, sometimes you can get your point. I've sort of learnt through bitter experience with some other things that when I get angry and, you know, can be just dismissed as a hysterical lefty, I don't have as much impact as if I'm extremely calm and polite and people are taken aback because they expect you to be Mm. aggressive. So sometimes that can really work. Although not in cartooning, I think you can be totally as aggressive as you want in cartooning. Sure. 
What fires you up? Um, oh, you know, pretty much everything. <laughs> I, spent of, I spent a lot of time swearing at the radio, yeah, as my children will attest. They're sort of used to it, you know. That, um, uh, well, there's just – I think we're in a really weird time at the moment and it's horrendously depressing that not only – like things that depress me are – the horrible, horrible, or that made me really angry, a horrible way we treat asylum seekers and that has been going on for such a long time and it, it just gets worse and worse mm. and worse and just when, you, you know, you think it couldn't get any worse, it gets heaps worse and there's no end to the yeah. worsening. Um, so that is something that I get very angry and upset about. I'm passionate about public education and, and uh, you know, public funding of services I don't think is a waste of money. I think that's actually an investment. So that kind of stuff. And, you know, the, and um, a lot of the Indigenous justice and uh, injustice and the, you know, high rates of incarceration and the way we haven't recognised, we don't, you know, the way we treat. Oh, mean, God, sorry. I, don't, don't ask me that question because now I'm settling in and I'll just keep going for hours and hours and hours and all the things that annoy me. So I'm not annoy me that I feel passionately angry about. So it's kind of good to have a job where you can funnel that anger into your work. It must be very cathartic to be able to process a lot of those feelings around the topics of the day into something that, you know, just allows you to express it and and go right. This this is today's feeling on this. Yeah, it is cathartic, but it's also you know you also get a sense of futility. Like God, nothing changes, you know, especially with something like asylum seekers. Where Australian cartoonists, this has been a major topic. If you look over the years, cartoons, this has been a major topic for 15 years now. You know, it's been one of the major news topics. And so um, it's kind of cathartic, but it's also kind of depressing. And and it's that weird thing. You know, there's also the um, sort of double-faced nature, the two-faced nature of the satirist where, you know, when things in politics are really horrendous, it's the best of times for satirists. But, you know, as a satirist, you're also a human being. So the professional side of you is going, yes, and the, you know, sane human side is going, oh, my God, make this all stop. <laughs> so so there is that. You do get that feeling sometimes when you just, especially, you know, in the Abbott thing and just like so much that's happening at the moment. You know, Greg Hunt being best minister in the world. I mean, even Tony Abbott being minister for women, all these things, there was just so many of them that were just so insane that you just thought there is no way, like, they're topping us for satire. We can't keep up with this stuff. They're running us out of a job and nothing I do will ever be as bizarre as this stuff that they're doing. So, um, yeah, it is, yeah, there's, there's a, it's, you can get very conflicted about it. Like while, while it's tremendously fun as well, you know, and there's a bit of a sense of pissing into the wind too, but I guess mm. if you're going to piss into the wind, it's a fun way to do it. It, yes, make hay while the sun shines. <laughs> how do we, how do we solve the asylum seeker problem, Fiona? Oh, I don't. I think as soon as you say solve and solutions is just that's a bad way to start because I think um, there's, unless you can solve wars and all sorts of stuff like asylum seekers, we, 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 the way we talked about it as a solution is if we can just fix it. It's not one wave of asylum seekers. This is a permanent and they come from different places. There's different conflicts in the world mm-hmm. go around. So I think to talk about solutions, you're assuming that and it's something that happens to everywhere in the world, Australia opting out of it and saying we're not part of this thing. Like I'm certainly saying it's not. It's, it's terrible. It's hor- It's an awful situation on every level and it's, it's a difficult one. I don't think they're easy answers at all but yeah. um but i just think saying you know accepting that this isn't going to be solved this is this is something that 
is permanently managed. Like it is never fixed. No one has ever fixed it. And by just locking everything off, that's not actually a solution. That doesn't fix anything. I mean, that might stop the people smuggling trade kind of, but I think maybe us turning them back and paying them 30 grand is also um, uh, helping out in that regard. I don't know. I think, I think you just got to stop. I think you just got to, I don't know. I think this is, I don't know how this would be at all possible. I think you've got to wipe the slate clean and go, okay, we're starting from a new way of defining this. Firstly, we're not talking solutions. Secondly, this is the reality about how asylum works and that it's not illegal. And these are people and mm. we might not, you know, agree with them and stuff. And cause I, I sort of think to, to, to put it as a, a, a thing between totally open borders and stopping the boats is ridiculous as well. Like, cause that then, yeah. you know, people just go, well, there's open borders. You, you want, I think other countries don't do what we do and they've got a much bigger problem. And I think I've got no answers. I'm a fucking cartoonist. I wouldn't have a clue, <laughs> but I think, if, you know, there are experts who can look at this, there are ways to cooperate. We've really pissed off the region. This doesn't get a lot of press in the region. We're looked at as assholes. And I think there's so many ways to improve this. But you've got to start from scratch with the terminology. That's, I guess, that's that's my totally not easy solution. Yes. Well, it really has, the, the way that the conversation around asylum mm. seekers has been shaped has led to... Uh, almost a fait accompli as, as far as some of the things that have gone on, hasn't it? Well, also, like, we've accepted that there is an excuse that children, it is it is acceptable for children and also men and women. Like, I think when we've, we, children, yes, there's, of course, that is absolutely terrible. But to say that it's, if when it happens, when horrible, you know, the men on Manus are treated appallingly, they're in, you know, threats of violence. It's awful there as well. These problems exist for everyone. Um, uh but I think, you know, when we've reached that point in the conversation where we've all got, like where politicians will say, one politician said it's the lesser of two evils as if there are only two options and it's perfect. It's now become acceptable for children to be unsafe, uh, psychologically tormented, um, physically endangered, possibly physically assaulted mm-hmm. because of stopping deaths. It's like this bizarre connection. And um, I did a cartoon this week for um, New Matilda, one about um, – uh, like a sort of this is up your alley. It's TV. Um, the I'm a politician. Get me out of here. As mm-hmm. if they were on Camp Nauru, and um, and I, I had a very bitter um, frame in it where Peter Dutton's talking to a little girl who's got her face in her hands in Nauru, and she's saying, "I want to die," and he says, "Buck up and think of all those lives you're saving at sea," and that's kind of it's what. It's it's what people say, you know. Well, that's the like. What do we say to these kids? Oh well, I'd like to give you this certificate of thanks, you know, for going through this horrible torment. Here's a certificate of achievement for stopping death at sea. It's just it's it is insane. It is we've oh anyway, I've got to stop. Deep breath, calm down, stop ranting. Okay, sorry, Fiona. It's fine. Are you doing what Year Eleven Fiona thought she'd be doing? Oh no, no, I had no idea whatsoever. I'd be a cartoonist. That wasn't something that ever crossed my mind at all. I was, um, I, and I studied journalism. Like I didn't yes. do anything arty at all. I wasn't arty in any way at all. And I'm still, I'm still not arty in any way at all. <laughs> but, um, the, yeah, I did a, um, yeah, I did a degree first in, I started off studying journalism and then thought, oh, I don't like that. I was sort of idealistic and young. I was always very in, interested in politics in not, not, not government politics at all, not Australian politics, but social justice things. And I was in high school in the 80s. So, you know, when there was Cold War stuff and I was really into Latin American politics and anti-apartheid stuff and things like that. So I was always really interested in that stuff from being 
early teenage years. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, and, and I wanted to be a journalist. And I thought, oh, yeah, you know, be a journalist and change the world. And then went to uh, university at Charles Sturt in, in Bathurst, which had a really good, for that kind of thing, journalism degree. But it just was very sort of... I guess I just it wasn't my cup of tea to do journalism. I thought, oh, this media game—it's a nasty thing. I'll never get involved with this again. And then went to ANU and did honours in politics, which I totally loved. And then went overseas and did um, uh, voluntary work and in overseas aid organisations and human rights and development stuff. And did uh, lots of that kind of thing. Then came back and worked for an overseas aid organisation and then that just thought that was going to be my thing. And then I'd always done cards for friends, birth- lots of birthday cards for friends and like drawing little cartoons for political campaigns and stuff. But I never thought about it. And then um, I got made redundant and didn't know what to do and I was whinging to a friend of mine about this was what I'd been, you know, doing, wanting to do for years and now I couldn't do it anymore. And he said, well, why don't you be a cartoonist? And so I said, what? What are you talking about? And he said, well, you've been doing it. You do it all the time. And so right. he just kind of, and I was, you know, had no idea about any of it and he just kind of kept kicking me in the bum until I sent off some folios. And then that was back in the days when there was lots of freelancing work. So newspapers had tons of, you know, freelance cartoons, they freelancers in the music section, cartoon, you know, they'd call you up and go, oh, we need a cartoon for the music section or the restaurant section or all sorts of stuff. So I did lots of work for newspapers early mm. on. So, yes, that's the story of how I became a cartoonist. And how long have you been a uh, job title cartoonist now? Um, 19 years. Wow, that's a good stretch. Yeah, yeah. And I sort of did my career in reverse because I got a lot of newspaper work. And then as I said, so like I, I became a cartoonist totally at the wrong time. It's uh, <laughs> to, to make a decent living out of it. I sort of started off when the going was good and now it's just harder and harder and harder to make any sort of living. And you get paid a hell of a lot less for exactly the same thing. And, um, yeah, and sort of supplement your income with, other stuff as well. So I do some TV producing for the ABC, which, you know, helps support my cartooning habit. Yes. And also uh, I would imagine keeps your hand in another, you know, a a different part of the creative life that Mm. keeps you close to things like your passion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's a segment about cartooning, which is fantastic. Because all political cartooning is such a small field and a weird job that um, all the cartoonists know each other. There's just not that many of us, and and cartoonists are are a really collegiate bunch in lots of ways. Like we're all very different, but it's people are really nice to each other. Cartoonists are really political cartoonists are really nice to each other and help each other out. So it's got a nice. So it was, it's nice. I, I knew a lot of the people anyway before I produced that segment. And now I you know know them as well and deal with them all the time. And that's kind of you know it's it's nice to work with people you know and like. Well, it sure beats the heck out of popping up in in uh, the Australian's media diary uh, as the the centre of a you know, scathing attack. <laughs> oh, I dream of being the centre of a scathing attack in the, <laughs> at the, uh, yes. Oh, no, Cherry's not there anymore, is she? But anyway. Oh, she's still around. She'll still go undercover to, to, to root you out. Yeah, maybe I've got to get involved with ICAC. I think she's following that now. No. I've said yeah, No, it wouldn't be nice to be attacked by the Australian, but at the same time, if people who you wouldn't agree with anyway are attacking you, then it's hard to get super upset about it. What's the hardest truth you've had to deliver? Um, oh, I don't know. See, this is outside the realm of. I don't. I don't know if I've had to deliver any hard truths. I'm just trying to think. See, I work alone, so I don't really get. I'm not in a, an office. I work from home, so I don't get in those positions where I'm in any sort of authority where I have to tell anyone. Um, you know, 
I'm sorry, we can't afford to keep you on or anything like that. I've had a lot of, when you're a freelancer, you certainly get a, get a lot of, because it's very, oh, when I used to do a lot of work for newspapers, you'd get a gig with some, you know, the new editor would come into some section, you'd work for a couple of years for them on a weekly basis and then editors would change and then you'd get a new editor who would want different cartoonists. So I've had, had a lot of that. So you get used to, you get a pretty tough skin because, you know, so I've had lots of those hard calls where I've got a call out of the blue from an editor and you just go, oh, no. I'm being fired and they go, sorry, we're, you know, going with someone new. So I've had lots of them, mm. but I don't, oh, I don't know. So I'll probably finish this interview and then instantly I'll think of all these really terribly hard <laughs> things I had to deliver. But um, Clean your room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, I deliver that on a daily basis to uh, my children. But, um, yeah, that's not that hard to deliver. I'm so used to it. It just, you know, <laughs> flies out. You're living in a sty. Yeah, that's right. I'm not your slave. That's a good one too. Oh yes. I I'm a well I won't say recent parent, but I've got a, a ten year old and a and a eight nearly eighteen year old, uh, <laughs> and I'm not your slave. I, it rolls off the tongue far too easily. Well, mine are twelve and ten, so I'm slightly ahead of you. Wow. Well, there, but for the grace of God. <laughs> well, you will in two years' time. You're assuming that they're going to make it. <laughs> uh, I have no doubt. There, there could be a tragedy, child crushed by own school bag. Yeah, well, um, it, it has been known to happen. Yes. What challenges you? Um, I think one thing that's very challenging in these recent times is trying to think up, try not to get just exhausted with politics and too cynical. That's That's what... That's what challenges me is not giving into cynicism. I think that's a daily battle to just go, oh, God, this is all just so awful and and what can you do? And I know quite a few friends and my mum as well who is not um, – I grew up in a pretty conservative family and my mum's now probably, mm-hmm. you know, centre but maybe slightly to the left now. But she was just saying to me, oh, everything's so awful. I've just switched off from listening to um, news or reading the paper because it's just, you know, it's just crap and you just – just makes you happier not to read it. And I think, no, no, but then they win. If you switch off, they win because there's mm. nothing, no one holding them accountable. And so I sort of, I can understand that draw. And at times when I have gone, right, um, you know, if I'm out of the country or something, I go not paying attention, not turning on Twitter, not turning on social media, not paying any attention whatsoever to no, not, not compulsively checking, you know, the news in Australia. And, um, and it is lovely, but at the same time, I just, I don't know, no, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance, but that also mm-hmm. totally does your head in as well. So I'm, yeah, that, that's that's my challenge. <laughs> there are times when other people have to be eternally vigilant because I need a break. Yes, yes. Well, yeah. So yeah, at, at least if I can't be eternally vigilant, I can follow the eternally vigilant on Twitter. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> They're always watching. <laughs> Sometimes too much, but yeah, what can you do? Where do you find your peace, Fiona? Um, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, well, I guess I'm pretty busy. I like doing lots of things. Um, I've got, yeah, my two kids. It's fun hanging out with them, but, you know, um, sort of they're pretty independent in lots of ways. I mean, yeah, I love hanging out with them, but I'm not a helicopter parent or anything like that. Mm. Um, and I don't know. I run. I'm a runner. Um and I like music and literature and 
I don't know. Like there's lots of creative, I, I, you know, and, and, and I don't know. There's lots of good, interesting ways to stimulate your brain and, um, you know, and relax at the same time. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> I know, but since having kids, I can't see movies or read things about, you know, bad things happening to kids that sort of bugger that up for oh, me. Yeah. I mean, not that I would particularly, not that that's a genre I, you know, indulge in often, but, you know, it does limit sometimes some of your reading material. No, I understand. When you do have those moments mm. and you just want to sit down and switch on the telly and invest yourself in your favourite TV show, what is it? Oh, see, well, it depends what what oh, my favourite TV show of all time, hands down, and it's totally up my alley, is The Wire. I just – that had – I, I tend to be drawn to things that have an element of politics in them, like not government politics but human dynamics and power and things like that. That's just basically mm-hmm. something I'm interested in, those kind of stories. Um, and I just love – I just thought The Wire was so incredibly complex and so just brilliant observation of all sorts of stuff. Um, and I also love, love, love the thick of it. Um, mm. I'm a big fan of swearing as well, so <laughs> I find it very, very relaxing to watch horrible Malcolm Tucker – let loose with a um, tsunami of offensive verbiage. I, that, 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 that for me is like soothing time. I just there and go, oh yeah, oh you know. But then you also think, oh god, things probably are as bad as you know in here as there. But um, so I like those, and I like Veep. So I do like a bit of the political yes. stuff. Um, yeah. uh, loved Arrested Development, and probably watched that like. 20 times just on you know just as one of those switch it on 22 yeah. minute things i'm mean, talking about all old shows now i've been enjoying um Sorry. brooklyn 99 lately and mm. Mm, i don't know and my kids like brooklyn 99 so we watch it together veep's not an old show it's still doing things yeah yeah i haven't caught up with the the latest season so um oh, you'll love it particularly as a fan of swearing yes and how much they love jonah well it's in uh, uh it's um armando Iannucci, the Mm. is the um, writer of both, I think. But I just think Americans, at the first season of Veep took a while to find its feet because Americans don't talk like English people. And that sort of irony and that swearing sounds clangy coming out of an American mouth. Americans swear in a different way. And I think in the second season of Veep, they got the swearing right as a swearing yep. aficionado, you know, I am a swearologist. <laughs> and making Jonah a target, right? That yes. it, it was, everyone would have their own, interactions and be upset with each other at different times, but as an entire office to gang up on one person, delightful. But the great thing is um, Jonah is just so, has just does not care. Like he's just one of those massive jerks that you can't feel sorry for him because he just fights back in a really obnoxious way. And also it it doesn't seem to affect him. So he's a very satisfying villain in that way as well. Yeah, so great. Gosh. No, I'm with you. And, And it's interesting to hear some of those other, um, show titles that tick in there because you're right. There's lots of that political relationship drama that that plays through them. It, it is really you've got some great taste. Oh, I also really love Broad City. Love Broad City. Yep. That's the latest thing that I've just totally was, you know, couldn't stop watching it. Obsessed with it. Loved it. Love those women. Just love that extremely, you know, female friendship that they just think each other's tops. I just thought that was tremendous. Yep. No, I agree. It is. I came to it late, so I've caught, had to catch up through but the then first Then you get to watch two seasons at once. I know. It was, quite, it was quite the time, let me tell you. 
I saw things I wasn't ready for. <laughs> what makes you smile, Fiona? Um, oh, heaps of stuff. I don't know. Like lots of normal day-to-day things. I mean, you know, funny things obviously make me smile. Good cartoons make me smile. Um, and um, hmm. oh, one thing that really makes me, you know, sometimes you just, someone does some small thing. Usually what, what often makes me smile is little bits of good writing or some, a good cartoon or something that is just nails it. And like the last time this happened that I really felt this was a couple of weeks ago when I read, and I can't remember the name of the journalist. So she, an English journalist was talking about Jerry Hall and Rupert Murdoch and she called their combination Jerry and the pacemaker. (laughs) And, uh, and I just like, I read that and I just thought respect. And I thought, you know, that makes me like mankind may be shit, but it makes me so happy that someone has just thought up that, 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 Hooray for humankind. That's just made me feel good, you know, for, for a few hours. So that kind of stuff I often get, you know, or if I see a painting that I, I know sometimes I just think, oh, good on you, humanity. And that, um, yeah, that makes me smile. And my kids make me smile a lot because they're quite, like they've got very good senses of humour. And, um, and yeah, we, they're, yeah, so they're pretty good for a laugh. A, a solid pun or mm. a, a left of field sort of uh, funny statement from a kid can absolutely bring the oh, house down, can't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also there, my poor kids have been subjected to political cartoons, you know, because it's my job. And I work from home as well. So ever since they're little, they've seen <laughs> me doing it. Like it's not, sometimes I, like I realised after a, a couple of years, they didn't know I had a job. They just thought I stood in <laughs> in a room of my own and drew pictures all day. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. Dad doesn't, you know, dad has a job. Mum doesn't work. Yes, 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 mum works really hard. <laughs> These pictures I'm drawing, they're paying the rent. Anyway, um, but, uh, uh, yeah, so my kids are being subjected to it. So, you know, and I've got all the collections of political cartoons that come out every year. So from an early age, they'd sort of come in and pull a, a volume off the shelf and, you know, sit down. They didn't understand any of it, but they can identify a lot of politicians, <laughs> which I don't know if is if that's particularly good for, you know, their mental development. But, um, yeah, they are exposed to a lot of cartoons. They'd be getting a lot of education around different styles of drawing and, and those sorts of things, though. Oh, yeah, well, I guess their dad and I are both interested in political stuff, so that's something we talk about. So it's sort of, I guess, that soaks up in the atmosphere a bit. Yeah, they're sponges. They're going to kill us in our sleep. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Um, Hopefully not getting too stressed about the state of the world. That is my, my, my one of my news resolutions was not to worry so much because it feels like things are going bad in a very broad all around the world sense. And um, yes, that, that, is, that, that is what I aim to achieve. And generally, hopefully earn enough money to survive. <laughs> is, that is, that would be a great achievement. Yeah, to come out on top would be great. Thank, yeah, yeah. thank you so much, Fiona, for your time today. Um, Please know that the things you've said are very special and you're highly valued. Thank you so much. Oh, well, thanks for having me. It's been heaps of fun. Wonderful to chat. Now, very clearly you're on Twitter. Mm. Are there any other social accounts that you want to admit to? Um, I have a Facebook thing, but I never, ever look at it. I'm just not a Facebook person, so I don't want to encourage anyone to look at that because it's, it's just I've got to get back on top of that and I think engage. Shudder. But anyway, yeah, no, Twitter, Twitter, that's all. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Fiona Katowskis is indeed human.